Jesus. What words would you use? Son of God? Good teacher? Miracle worker? Historical figure? There are lots of ideas and words out there that people use. But what if we went straight to the source? What did Jesus say about himself? In the Gospel of John, there are seven famous statements that Jesus makes about himself. They speak to both his character and his mission. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Come and hear for yourself who Jesus is and what he came to do. Good morning, Watkinsville. Good morning, the rest of Watkinsville. It's great to worship with you today. It's good to be back. Missed you last Sunday. And I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament. You can find your place there in John chapter 8. It's where we'll start. And some of you here for the very first time had the opportunity already to meet some of you. And I'm glad to be able to do that. Would love to do that. Um, if we haven't met already, um, after the service today, maybe we could do that. We're going to change it up a little bit today. Can we do that? Not everybody's head's raised up. Heard the word change? And um, we're going to do something different. And after the service this morning, I'm going to be in a different spot. I'm going to be out in the commons, so that uh, hallway out there in front of me, I'm going to be out there. And I'm going to call that little area that kind of dips in in the commons the cove, all right? So I'm going to be in the cove. That's cool, isn't it? I'm going to be in the cove. And I'm going to be in there. And if you're a first-time guest or maybe you've been coming a long time, we've never met, it'll be a spot where you could stop and say hello and let me put a name with your face. And maybe you've been coming a long time and there's just something you want me to know about going on in your life that I could be praying about in the days ahead. I'd love for you to stop in there and say hello. Now, don't leave me in there by myself, all right? Kind of insecure about that. And uh, so I'm just standing in there, nobody talking. It's going to be a long afternoon. Uh, so stop in, say hello, and I'd love to meet you. I'm glad you're here, a part of uh, what's going on at Watkinsville. Uh, many people uh, travel the world under a particular influence or with a particular motive. Uh, in fact, we've built kind of a micro-economy in uh, this very kind of travel. It's the kind of travel where a person says, I just, I just need to go out there and find myself. Ever heard somebody say that? Uh, it, it, it goes like something like this, it, I just need some time. I just need some time to figure out who I am. I just need some time to figure out who I am. Now, sometimes um, it seems like maybe the whole state of Colorado was built just for that, isn't it? Uh, maybe some of you have taken that trip. Some of you have got some family out there right now trying to find themselves. I always wonder if somebody wakes up in California and says, Mama, I need to go to Bama. i got to find myself, you know. <laughs> do, they, do they come east 
uh, uh, I'm from Alabama, so I can make jokes like that, all right? And uh, so I just kind of wonder how it, it goes back and forth. One of the rich truths about Jesus Christ is that he never went through a time where he was trying to find himself. There was never a time where he needed to get away where he would say, hey, Mother Mary, I got to go find out who I am. In fact, you read through scripture and you find out that even at the age of 12, he got separated from his parents and they didn't know where he was. And they go back and they find him in the place of worship. And at 12 years old, Jesus says, did you not know I needed to be about my father's business? He said, well, what about that time in the wilderness? I mean, he, he went out and to the wilderness and spent 40 days. And he did 40 days and 40 nights fasting, not eating. But it, you read the story and you, you take it from start to finish, and it doesn't look like somebody who's trying to find himself. It looks like somebody who knew exactly who he was. And by the time it was over, he had demonstrated to the enemy, Satan himself, that at his physical weakness, he was stronger than anything Satan could bring to him. He knew who he was. And as he went about knowing who he is and knowing who he was, uh, he wanted other people to know that. Um, for thousands of years, people have been trying to figure out who they are. And in the middle of trying to figure out who they are, they've also been trying to figure out who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a person that lived and was forgotten or died and was forgotten, but still 2,000 years after that historical event of his birth and death and resurrection, people are still trying to figure out who he is in the midst of figuring out who they are. Maybe... That's who you are today. You're not in Colorado. You're in Watkinsville. You're in a church. You may be even surprised that you're here. Or maybe you've been coming for a long time. And imagine some of you are right at the point of retirement or you're already in retirement. And think about you've given your life in a career for years and years and years devoted to a company or devoted to a certain profession. And now you're here with a, some freedom approaching, maybe some resources, or you're in the midst of it and you're trying to figure out who am I? And who is Jesus anyway? And maybe you're a teenager. And just you're thinking, what, I, here I am in my teen years. And I've been in church all my life. And I, I've, I've heard about this Jesus. I've done this church thing. But really when it comes down to it, away from this building, who is Jesus? And probably some college students. It's just like me. In college, maybe you had some exposure to, in, in high school, maybe some exposure to Jesus Christ. Childhood, some exposure to Jesus Christ. But in college, like so many in this room, you have to say, it's time for my parents' faith. It's time for me to figure out if my parents' faith is going to be my faith. Is the Jesus who they claim to believe in the Jesus that I'm going to believe in? Is that who I'm going to surrender my life to? And you may not actually, may not even be asking those questions. You may not be making those 
blatant of statements, but in your lifestyle and decisions and choices you're making, if you kind of study that a little bit, the reality is, is that the very life that you're living is a question of who is Jesus anyway. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at these seven statements of who Jesus claimed to be. The Gospel of John has some characteristics about it that are consistent from start to finish. And throughout this fourth book of the Gospel, you see Jesus surrounded by crowds at times. You see Jesus surrounded by the Jewish people at times. You see Jesus alone with just his disciples at times. He, there are times when he's with his family. And, and here's a strange thing. Here's, here's something that is really obvious in the Gospel of John. The crowds, the Jewish people, his own family members, the disciples, they spent a lot of time telling Jesus who he was. They were trying to figure out who he was and they would say, Jesus, you're demon possessed. That's what you are. They said that. They say, Jesus, you're, you're a Samaritan. Or they say his, his, his brothers went to get him one day. And, and I remember several years ago, I preached a message in the chapel called My Crazy Brother. And it was a sermon as if I was James, the brother of Jesus, before James believed. Because they actually came to get Jesus and they were kind of like apologetic saying, we're going to take him home. He's kind of not right in his mind. And, and all of these times, they, they would say things like this. Isn't that Mary and Joseph's son? Isn't that the carpenter's son? They were trying to assign to him who he was. And if I had to put a tagline on this sermon series, I'd call it I Am. And I would say this, seeing Jesus for how he saw himself. Not you telling him who he is, or not me telling you who he is, but... Who did Jesus say that he is? And all of this trying to assign who he is and, and, and explain what he was about and what he was doing came down to kind of this uh, ex explosion, explosive question. Not explosive in its impact, but just like it erupted from the crowds. It erupted from the Jewish people. It's in John chapter 8 and in verse 53 John chapter 8, the crowd's trying to figure out who he is, telling him who he is, telling him he's got a demon. And then all of a sudden, here's what they say, John 8, 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. And then here's the question that just exploded out of them. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you make yourself out to be? And it, and it has the, the feel there of just almost, I just wonder if there was like this moment of silence. And somebody, maybe even the crowd, is looking at the person who actually said those words and like, are you serious? You just asked that? And, I, and it, the next words in our translation here is Jesus answered. I feel like, I don't want to read too much in this, but it just kind of feels like this thing where Jesus would have been like, 
smile on his face. I thought you never asked. You've been telling me all along who you thought I was. And now you're asking me who I am. I'm going to tell you. Jesus answered, verse 54, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. What a, it's, that's just raw, isn't it? I mean, it's just so raw. It's just like he's saying, I could say I don't know him, but I'd be lying. I know him. If I were to say I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What was their response? So they picked up stones to throw at him. Why? Why would their reaction be to, before Abraham was, I am. Because what Jesus had just done, was that he stepped out of the New Testament back into the Old Testament and he basically declared to them the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and he is standing right in front of you. I am. You see, in the history of the Israelite people, they when they heard that phrase, when they heard a person identify themselves as I am, this every history lesson, every Sunday school class, so to speak, they had ever had of learning the law and the history of their ancestors and their fathers in the faith came rushing back to their mind and they realized that the guy standing in front of them had just identified himself as God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Moses is back and forth with God, and God's telling him, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go, let them go from slavery, and they're going to leave Egypt and go into the promised land, and Moses is like, how would they ever believe me? How, why would they believe on my authority? If I say that, they're not going to, I mean, what authority do I have? And God says to Abraham, Exodus 3, you go and you tell them that I am sent you. And it was Yahweh. It was the name of God. It, 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 it was God in the Old Testament saying the voice of heaven. God himself is speaking. That's who the authority is. And when Jesus said to them before Abraham was, I am, their reaction was to throw stones at him because they saw a man who was claiming to be deity, claiming to be God. I don't know if we can get the impact of that. It, you think about his big moments in history of your life. Imagine walking up to a, a man today and say, hey, are these your boys? They say, yeah. They look like twins. Yeah, I got twins. 
What are their names? Well, his name's Herschel and his name's Walker. I imagine 20 years from now, maybe somebody, you walk up and you see somebody say, hey, that's your, that, those are your boys? Yeah. Twins? Yeah. What's their name? Well, his name's Bennett and his name's Stetson. And, and, and in her mind, it'd just be like this, you know what, the, if it's one of you, you're going to be like, hey, let me just tell you, I was there, all right? I was there. I saw it. I, and, and it just comes, all this history comes rushing back to your mind when Jesus said I am they're like whoa he takes that identifier of who he is and with confidence over and over and over again in the book of John he tells people who he is and and as he tells people who he is he doesn't stop there he gives an invitation and it's the same invitation to you today And it's the invitation to believe him, to believe that he is who he claims to be, to believe that Jesus is God. And here's the result of that. The result of you believing that Jesus is God and that he came to fulfill the mission that he came to fulfill, Jesus said, if you believe, you will have what? Eternal life, everlasting life. How? By doing good, no. By coming to church a certain number of times, no. By giving so much, no. By memorizing a certain list of rules or precepts, no. He says, whoever believes in me, the I am, Jesus Christ, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. And that's the invitation. That he's still given today. When you, I want you to back up in your Bibles just a little bit, a couple of pages to John chapter 6. And we begin to see this first of seven I am statements. And the very first I am statement that he gives is I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. There's seven of these. And it's, it's, like, it's like an artist painting with seven colors. And by the time you finish the portrait at the end of John, you have this perfect picture of who Jesus is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am. It goes on and on as we'll work through this list. When you come to John chapter 6, the first thing you see Jesus doing before he ever stated that he was I am, what you see first that Jesus, number one, demonstrated who he was is now I put these points to the message in present tense and here's why when we're talking about Jesus we're not talking about a Jesus who was we're talking about a Jesus who is you see when Jesus lived at a point in history he wasn't just somebody that lived and then died and was forgotten about he wasn't even someone who lived and died And is still talked about today. Jesus is someone who lived in history, died in history, rose back to life again in history, and is alive today forever. And we wait on his return for him to come back one day to get his bride, the church, or for us to go to him and meet him there. 
So we're talking about the Jesus who is. And the first thing Jesus did was he demonstrated who he is. And in John chapter 6, we're not going to read the whole story, but a crowd of people had gathered around him. They had been there for the whole day to hear him teach. You'll come this morning. We're here for about an hour in this room. They were there the whole day. They got hungry. They did not have any food. And Jesus sees that. And look in verse 5. Verse 5 of John 6 says, lifting up his eyes then and seeing, that a, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? In verse 6, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Pause there just a second. Is that not phenomenal? That Jesus saw the crowd, knew they were hungry. He asked where they were going to get the money to buy the bread, how they were going to get the bread. And he asked them, it's test time. And he asked them this question, already knowing what he was going to do. Just for a moment, let me just say, some of you are in a situation right now and you look around and you say, how in the world are are we ever going to deal with this? How are we ever going to solve this? How is this ever going to get better? How is this ever going to be fixed? How are we ever going to make it through this? Can I just remind you who Jesus is? That Jesus is a Savior that knows already what he's going to do. He knows what can be done. He knows where you are. He's waiting for you to turn to him and rely on him and lean on him. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And then Jesus goes into action. And he demonstrates who he is. And he has the crowds. He said, have them all sit down. And they sit down in groups. And he takes the bread and he takes the fish. And he breaks them into pieces. He gives thanks to the Lord for what has been provided there. And he just breaks it and breaks it and breaks it. And they distribute it and distribute it. till they get to a point where it says, and they were all satisfied. But it doesn't stop there. It says they were all satisfied. Then they gathered up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And in this moment, Jesus is he's doing this miracle. He's, doing, he's performing a sign, S-I-G-N. We talk about the seven I am statements of the Gospel of John. Another theme, another thread that runs through the Gospel of John are not just the seven I am statements, but running through the Gospel of John also is this thread of seven signs that demonstrate who Jesus is, that demonstrates that he's God and the Messiah. The first one was him changing water to wine at the wedding. And and it just goes on. This is one of the signs he performed, breaking the bread, feeding the crowd, and there being abundantly more left over than what they needed. When they're looking at this scene, they're asking Jesus, "What what is going on here? What is... All that's happening here. And I'll remind you that this wasn't the first time that Jesus or God had fed the thousands. All the way back again in the Old Testament. When the children of Israel 
had left Egypt's slavery. And they were in the wilderness for 38 years every day. 38 years, God's just providing manna for their everyday life. And in this moment of Jesus breaking the bread and feeding the crowd, it's, it's a fulfillment for us right before our eyes that in the Old Testament, the children received manna for everyday life. In the New Testament, Jesus is here as the Messiah to give to us eternal life. And he, may, he does this demonstration. And then out of that demonstration, he declares who he is. Look at verse 25. John, Ephesians. John chapter 6, verse 25. It says, some of the people of Jerusalem... Verse 30, verse 35, John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, you've seen me and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should, lose, I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. In verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus said, I'm laying down my body for this world. And in a figurative way, he's, he's making a reference to him physically being their life. Like we might make the statement, uh, I, I just, uh, we might say about something, sink your teeth into this. Or I'm not able to digest what you're saying. Or like scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus is saying to them in the, in the wilderness they had manna and it physically sustained them. But they died. It didn't mean anything for death. They eventually all died. And Jesus said, I'm offering you a different kind of bread. I'm offering you myself. And if you believe in me as the very bread of life. What was, what was bread? It was the essential food item for their physical life and he was identifying saying the essential food that you need for your soul to live forever is me 
I'm God. I'm your bread. Draw your life from me. And let me just, let's just stop right here and get really real. What bread are you eating? What bread are you eating? Where are you drawing your life from? Does it take a relationship with an earthly person for you to have life? What are you feeding on? Are you living off how many likes you get on a post or a comment or an argument? What are you feeding on? Are you, are, you, are you feeding on that car? Are you feeding on that house? Are you feeding on that trip? Are you feeding on that dream of what life will be in retirement? Are you, are you, are you feeding on just of winning, being number one? This would be really simple. About, about 48 hours ago, I'm living off my bracket. Right? I'm in a group, and, and, and it's a staff group. There's about a dozen of us, and I pick my bracket, and I'm right near the top Saturday morning. Like 91%. If you know, you know. All right? <laughs> and this morning, when I woke up, I checked my bracket. And I'm at the bottom, almost. You know, I'm, I'm, second, I'm second to the bottom to a person who picked Tennessee to win it all. That's how good I am, all right? I'm like 48%. There's 10 million people in the world right now that got a better bracket than me. Sports is an unfaithful God. but so is beauty and money and leisure and sex and alcohol and houses and popularity and educational degrees. They are unfaithful gods. And Jesus says to us, you want eternal life? I'm the bread you need. You know the trends right now? We have them in our house. You have them in your house. I'm going to say the word once, and then I'm going to be done with it. They're called charcuterie boards. All right? I'm not going to try to say it again, all right? <laughs> My daughter cringes when I try to say that word. So I've said it. You know what I'm talking about. At least you're close. So you got this piece of wood, and what do we do? We get this piece of wood, and on this piece of wood, we put fruit of multiple different kinds, blueberries and strawberries and cantaloupe and kiwi and watermelon. I mean, you just put the fruit, and then you, you put all those cheeses, and you got cheddar and goat cheese. You got, you got cheese with blueberries on it. I mean, raspberries on it. You, you, you got crackers of all kinds. You got ham and salami and pepperoni and, and it's just on it. And what do we do? We walk up to it like, man, that's beautiful. 
And we just get a little from there and a little bit from there and a little bit from there and a little bit from there. And we're just, we're a little bit of everything. And what happens with me, I've gotten a little bit of everything. And I walk in, I sit down, I'm like, I'm still hungry. (laughs) The world sets out in front of us that kind of board. And the world officers offers, offers to us something to dab a little from here, dab a little from there. Oh, that looks good. That looks filling. Oh, that looks satisfying. That's really what I want. I really, and we walk away and we sit down in life and we say, you know what? I'm still hungry. I'm not satisfied. You know what Jesus does? Here's what Jesus does. Jesus set the table out in front of us this morning and just right there in the middle of the table, he puts one thing, bread. And he says, you don't need all this stuff. Don't let that be first. Don't let that be what you're satisfied with. What you need is me, bread, the bread of life. Here's the last thing. Jesus demonstrated who he is. Jesus declared who he is. And the last thing, hear me, Jesus desires for you to know who he is. Let me say it better. Jesus desires for you to believe who he is. Even the demons know him. He desires for you to believe who he is. And for you to believe who he is means that day in and day out, your nourishment for life is him. If I was going to write a book, I'd call it Life Wins. And the subtitle would be Discovering, Discovering the Life. Discovering the truth that everyday life is not all there is. You see, Jesus offers eternal life. And I love how Adrian Rogers put it. Adrian Rogers says, eternal life is not something you receive when you die. Eternal life is something you receive when you believe. And today, in this room, you can live fulfilled and satisfied with abundant life, full life, eternal life, if Jesus Christ is your bread. He alone is what you're trusting in. In the 14th century, there were two brothers. One was named Edward and one was named Reynald. They were dukes in Belgium. Edward <clears throat> took his brother Reynald's land and he took his brother captive. And he built a room and he put Reynald in that room. And in that room, it had an open door and it had open windows. But Reynald was a large man and he couldn't fit through the door. But he was there. And any time that he wanted to leave, he could leave if he could fit through the door. But what his brother Edward did is every single day 
multiple times over, he had his servants take the richest and finest of foods and deliver them to his room. And Raynard could never resist the food. And for 10 years, he stayed in that room eating, not able to get out of the open door. Edward died. People set Raynald free from that room. And within a year, he died himself because his health was so bad. I'm just thinking today, how many of us have gotten trapped in a room feeding on the things of the world other than the bread of Jesus? Listen, you will never be both full and free until Jesus becomes your life, your bread. Let's pray together. Your heads bowed. I'd like for some privacy here. There's nobody looking around. You'd say to me, Pastor, my head's bowed. I believe. I believe Jesus is my bread. I, I, I know it. It's true. But truth is, I've been dabbling on the board of life. And if I'm honest with you today, Pastor, I, I, need, to, I need to come back. I've been finding my hope and my joy in things other than Jesus. I want to pray for you. I want you to have this movement of response so that you could just kind of drive it down. And, and so just in this room, just I'm just asking with the heads about just a, a raised hand. That's it. Just a raised hand. Hey, I need to come back. Just slip your hand up, okay? Keep it up. Slip it up, okay? All over the room, okay? To my right over here, right side. Anybody on this side? I'm... Right, just slip your hand up. Anybody in the room? Because I need to come back. Okay, hands down. Now I want to ask you in this room today, you might say, Jesus has never really been my bread. Maybe you've known about him, known of him, know of him, but never believed in him, never Stop trusting in what you're trusting in for joy and hope and life after death. You're trusting in other things. But today you say alone. The first time I'm saying, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. I want to live for you. I believe you died for me. Pay for my sins. I'm trusting you, Jesus, as my life. I wonder if you just slip up your hand in the room right now. I want to see you. I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up in the room. Keep it up. Keep it up for just a moment. Let me see you. Okay. Just keep it up. Anyone else in this room? Okay. Right. Father, before you today, more important than in front of me, in front of you, some hands have been lifted in this room. Hallelujah. I pray for those that are saying, I need the bread of Jesus once and for all. I pray, Lord, that that, that would be, you, you hear their hand as their testimony. They're, they're, they're saying, I believe. 
I believe Jesus died for me. I believe. And you say in your word that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. I pray you would flood their hearts with assurance. I pray you'd give them the boldness to tell somebody about it. I pray they would have the courage and boldness from your spirit to go public with their faith. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who today you've intervened in their life and you've stepped in and, and you're calling them back. I pray, Lord, that they'd repent, turn from the things that have been luring them away from you. Today would be the start of a new diet. Today would be the start of feeding alone on you first and foremost for their hope, for their joy, for their life. you do eternal work with your words today. Let's stand. And just for a moment, we're going to sing this truth that it's Jesus, only Jesus. Let's worship and then we'll go.